Mini book number two. Which time horizon is best, short or long term? Prepare your reasoning ahead of your strategic offside and be ready to state it convincingly. You may be in a quandary. Should your team put together a long-term strategy, even though recent times have been difficult and chaotic? You must make a decision because it affects the way you design your upcoming strategic planning retreat. But it's not easy. You're hearing conflicting advice. If you aren't convinced, you may even cancel the event altogether. In this article, I'll help you consider all the factors required that match the needs of your business. A confusing decision. Chances are, everyone on your team agrees that long-term planning is important in some form and at some point. Unless your company is about to be sold or closed in the next year or two, there are few who would argue that a purely reflexive seat-of-the-pants approach is best. But it's a different matter to engage a team of executives in making long-term plans during an actual meeting lasting several hours. At this moment, you are likely to run into opposition to the idea or even the odd individual who enjoys playing devil's advocate in the event itself. Why is this important? I've witnessed a few heated debates in past retreats with participants split about the value of long-term planning. To prepare yourself for a similar moment of open disagreement, in this mini-book, you'll learn how to respond with your own clear point of view. A radical redefinition. First, we need to clear up a common misconception. Usually, the decision to create a short-term versus long-term strategy is presented as a choice between apparent opposites. The two are thought to be exclusive, apples versus oranges. However, the truth is that a long-term plan always includes a short-term plan, if done correctly. It's a bit like a marathon race, which includes both 10K and 5K runs. While the distances to be run are different, they are not opposites. For example, when my company does strategic planning in companies, we always do both. The long-term plan ranges from 15 to 30 years in length on average. It's developed alongside a 3 to 5 year short-term plan. I say alongside because the long-term strategy precedes its counterpart, but they are obviously interdependent. So why do people get hung up? In most executives' minds, short-term planning is mandatory, but long-term planning is optional. Especially when times are hectic, companies tend to postpone the latter. But they rarely put off short-term planning unless they are in complete emergency mode, such as an armed conflict. So this is really not a decision between one extreme or the other. It's really a choice to engage in long-term planning or not. And that's what the rest of this article will focus on. Is long-term planning necessary? No need to ask. When you query executives whether they have a long-term view of the future, they'll always reply yes. It's not as if the question is brand new to them at all. However, if you dig a little deeper, you'll find a problem. Sometimes, even if they have a written long-term plan, team members will say different things. In other words, they are all making daily decisions using their personal map of the future. Why? Behind every short-term plan sits a long-term context. This exists in all firms, including those who have never discussed the topic formally. The fact is, people make decisions, react to events, invest their resources, and hire staff 
based on this context. It's usually individual and invisible and little more than a collection of opinions. The only exception, when your team has completed its offsite and has put in the work to bring different views into alignment, now it has a single agreed upon context from which to move forward. So the question about the need for long-term planning is a bit of a head fake. The real question is, can your business tolerate making decisions based on an unwritten, divided, potentially illogical, and divisive set of uncoordinated individual long-term plans? Here's just another way to think about this. A company without a long-term plan is still making long-term decisions every day. No one may realize it, but each penny that's spent is supporting one future while starving another. For example, when a new technology comes along, someone must decide to invest or ignore it. Also, when a crisis pops up, the response is shaped by the long-term plan. Whatever criteria are used in the heat of the moment are not random. They are derived from their dominant view of the future. And they also change the future all at the same time. So the choice is not whether your company should engage in long-term planning or not. It already is. In fact, it cannot stop doing so. The real question is, should key stakeholders organize and coordinate their long-term thinking into written plans? A failure to do so is the same as surrendering to chaos. Objections to long-term planning. Over the years, and especially in recessions and pandemics, the entire process of long-term planning has developed some opposition. Unfortunately, it appears to arise mostly with those who have never engaged in the activity. In their minds, long-term plans take a long time to assemble and are difficult to put together. Furthermore, they need to be adjusted too often in turbulent times, which means they are frequently wrong. When combined into a messy net of concerns, these obstacles seem insurmountable. Skipping a difficult session, which offers a paltry benefit, becomes easy. Let's tackle these objections one at a time. A. A long time to assemble. In my typical facilitated retreat, the long-term plan requires about three hours of team time, two hours of sub-team time, followed by two hours of further team time. That's about seven hours in total broken into three sessions. This assumes the completion of a number of prior activities and a group of 18 persons or fewer. The question to ask is, is the seven-hour investment worth it? Ultimately, I can't answer this question for every company. In future Leap Out content, I will speak out to the different ways value can be assessed, but for the moment, let's just look at the cost. The total loaded cost in facilitator and executive time is approximately $20,000 for the exercise. By contrast, the team is making multi-million dollar decisions. By most measures, the cost is minuscule. E. Difficult to put together. No doubt about it, my retreats, we're talking about an intense and challenging activity. It requires significant energy and intellectual rigor. In particular, the two hours of sub-team activity make up the most difficult exercise. Why? 
Essentially, a small group of four to six people from a range of functions struggle to craft a story or narrative about the preferred future of the company. And this is no short tale, but an epic stretching over more than a decade. While they have an avalanche of information at their disposal, which helps, some of it is brand new. It came from earlier exercises. However, the entire seven-hour activity is scripted and follows a set process. While it's not trivial, it is doable. On the plus side, executive teams tend to be quite competent. Attendees include MBA-level above-average performers. By my estimate, it's not harder than taking on an undergraduate group project that is due by a deadline. The intellectual challenge is about the same. However, the emotional weight is quite different. Why? Outside the conference room, employees wait to see if anything useful is produced. So do stockholders, customers, suppliers, anyone else who matters. There is a certain pressure. For example, those who don't notice any movement as a result of the meeting could complain that nothing meaningful came from the coward's convention. Furthermore, if certain topics have generated unresolved conflicts in the past, most are happy to skip them. As such, a long-term plan is technically difficult. But the resistance arises from the fact that it can be socially and emotionally challenging. C. The plans need to be adjusted. Few argue that the need to change a plan due to circumstances means that planning should not be done. But it's only human to believe that a plan which must be adjusted is a failure, while one which has to be changed often is an even bigger flop. Here is a different point of view. As Dwight D. Eisenhower said, plans are nothing. Planning is everything. In other words, when plans are made, the process followed is itself a reward bigger than the written output. Why? Intense strategic planning involves multiple conversations, which simply would not occur otherwise. In each case, they align all the individual long-term plans floating around in executives' heads into a single coherent whole. If you don't believe your participants will buy this argument in full, look for case studies of companies whose poor planning led to their demise. I share my list of successes and failures in every retreat, such as Netflix versus Blockbuster. You may also arm yourself with common stories. What should a child say when asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Few adults would encourage him or her to say, I don't make plans more than a year or two in the future because it's too hard, takes too long, may need to be changed or will only disappoint me when I fail. There's just something natural about thinking big and using a long time frame to do so. One method to follow. While there's no foolproof method to getting the job of long-term strategy done, let me offer a quick overview of the exercise I've developed over two decades of practice. Its purpose is to help the planning team select a suitable time horizon. But first, a definition. A planning year of 2040 may translate to a time horizon of 17 years if calculated in 2023. To provide some context, this exercise always comes right after a major effort to depict the current state of the business. Quantitative and qualitative data is used to paint a picture, an accurate capture. During the discussion, inside and outside forces are considered. The ones inside may point to resource gaps or technological strengths. 
The ones outside may point to industry trends, new government regulations, or fresh competition. Usually, none will come to fruition overnight. I then asked the team, given what you know about your industry, what would be the best planning year to select? But I don't leave them alone to decide. Instead, I offer the following guidelines to help them decide. Guideline 1. Distinguish the power of a long-term objective. To introduce the activity, I describe the benefits of creating big, hairy, audacious goals, BHAGs, a la Jim Collins. I won't repeat all his thinking here other than to say that such aspirations should inspire staff. With a visionary purpose, they can accomplish great things. While Collins doesn't make the link to long-term planning in his book, it's hard to avoid. In general, big goals take more time. In this context, time is a powerful resource to use in achieving awesome results. Also, BHAGs covering a long time frame introduce a selfless dimension. The immediate effect of considering a 15 to 30 year objective is that it stops being about the people in attendance. Now suddenly, it's about the next generation. I found this transformation to be remarkable. As if by magic, the team considers the legacy it's going to leave behind without being asked to do so explicitly. I also describe what could happen in the future when managers just like them sit down and reflect on today's meeting. On that fateful day, they could thank today's participants for their sagacity and courage, or complain bitterly about their selfishness, sorsightedness, and cowardice. In fact, I sometimes ask them to name a recurring problem that still exists today but could have been resolved many years earlier. They share how they feel about prior executive teams who punted the responsibility. Quote, Imagine being on the receiving end of the next generation's complaints. Unquote. To drive the point home, I pick out the youngest person in the room as a possible representative of that future executive team. Finally, I put up the following graphic. And this is a graphic with Jeff Bezos from Amazon. He said, if everything you, need, you do needs to work on a three-year time horizon, they are competing against a lot of people. But if you're willing to invest on a seven-year time horizon, you're now competing against a fraction of those people because very few companies are willing to do that. Just by lengthening the time horizon, you can engage in endeavors that you could otherwise never pursue. We're willing to plant seeds, let them grow, and we're very stubborn. We say we're stubborn on vision, and flexible on details. In the early 2000s, Bezos faced significant criticism as Amazon lost millions each year. But he was executing a strategy that left his competition in the dust. Some argue, we have no competition. I explain that any substitute for your service has the same effect. It lowers your revenue and robs you of a chance to make a difference. For example, if a child drops out of school, watching television may become the substitute or competition for attending school. Following this introduction to the topic, many participants in Offsides ask, so the longer the horizon, the better? Their minds flirt with 100 or 200 year horizons and more the merrier reasoning, which leads us into the next point I make. Guideline number two, the extreme cases. Why don't we choose a 100-year time frame? A 
apart from the technical challenge of making such a plan, choosing a planning year that's too far out introduces a credibility problem. Research shows that when goals are too big or horizons are too long, people feel disempowered because things start to look impossible or irrelevant. Once this effect has sunk in, we sometimes talk about different cultures and their ability to plan using long horizons. Some do it more naturally than others. Then I shift the discussion to the problem of picking a time horizon that's too short. This is a more frequent challenge. First, I argue that a short time frame is nothing more than extrapolation of the immediate past. In this scenario, planning becomes a statistical exercise rather than one that's creative. It's a silent vote for the status quo. Take the example of an extreme, a six or three month planning horizon, or even shorter. At some point, the exercise is no longer strategic. It's only tactical. It won't move the needle as it's impossible to think beyond today's conditions. Also, if the plan requires perfect execution due to its tight timelines, people may give up from the start. This happens all the time in corporations when managers insist on aggressive targets which staff don't believe in. They say, okay, but inside they have already surrendered because they have forced, been forced to commit to a three-month deadline when their estimates show six. With these two extremes established, we move on. Guideline three, the sweet spot. For each company, I describe a sweet spot, an ideal target year which lies between the extremes. Obviously, team members who work in the company daily are far better able to determine this zone than I am. At this point, I can only help by facilitating the discussion. They nominate different target years and then come to consensus. The chosen target year becomes the basis for the next exercise. Chicken or egg? Occasionally, I am asked whether the team should pick the most important goals before the target year instead of after. Truth be told, if time were not a limit, I would conduct several rounds of detailed strategic planning using a range of target years. But these participants are busy people. And if the offsite must be the venue where final decisions are made, then the discussion must take place in a structured manner. So the selection of the target year comes first. Also, I assure the team that the time frame is sometimes adjusted in a subsequent exercise during the retreat. The truth is it's a starting point, but it usually is not changed by much. Consider the planning year to be a useful, practical device, a placeholder. It certainly isn't a rigid deadline. So in summary, contrary to the title of this mini-book, it's not about short versus long-term time horizons. And those who say that long-term planning is hard to contemplate probably lack experience. Instead, make your case for the sweet spot and work with the team as they grapple to define their company's version of long-term. If you happen to be facilitating the discussion, be careful about stepping in to offer an opinion with too much weight. However, if you're a, a participant, make your case with gusto. Ironically, in my experience, this discussion to set a time horizon takes about half an hour to an hour. Why doesn't it take longer? Simple. The more prepared you are, the shorter the activity takes and the better quality consensus you'll achieve.